Welcome to Prim and Proper. I'm Elizabeth Hathaway. And I'm Marinella Mazzucato. Well, Marinella, we are going to continue on our celebration of women this episode. We're going to do our favorite women chefs, which was suggested by you, the one and only Marinella. Yes, I love me a woman who can cook. Oh, yeah. That's... Yes. Mm, yes. So... In your honor, I think you should have the privilege of letting us know your first favorite woman chef. My first favorite woman chef is going to be one that you know very well. That may not be a professional chef, but it is our friend Amanda. (laughs) Okay, so... She, I was going to nominate her, not because she's my least favorite, but I was going to do her last simply because she's not famous, but she was on my list too. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of the people on my list are people that have cooked for me personally, but (laughs) I mean, I have, I have a mix, but (laughs) she's, she's our warrior for girls trips. She gets excited to cook. Everything she makes is delicious. At one point, she had an ambition to make a food truck happen, which I totally think she can still do. I agree. And I know that Amanda might be listening at this point because we've told our friends about the podcast, everybody. We have. We have. So shout out to Amanda. No, I had Amanda on my list as well Mm -hmm. Uh, for all the reasons you mentioned. She has a way of cooking. So she always cooks at least two, three, four meals on our girls' trips, whichever meals we don't go out to eat. And she has a way of cooking something that's like both delicious and has like a level of decadence to it, but doesn't Mm. make you feel crappy after. Like you don't get that post-food coma feeling. Like you still kind of feel energetic or good because she uses a lot of like vegetables and whole grains and you know, healthy stuff, but she makes it decadent somehow. I'm not sure how she... Yeah. witchcraft. I mean, I had the honor of working with Amanda and Carabas, and she she's fit as hell, you know, like pure muscle probably, I'm sure. And I've never seen somebody eat so much pasta. And that's pretty much like the staples in her life. She does pastas. She does a taco. She does a bowl. And I don't know. Those are her, like, in a soup. And she, yeah. like, lives by those rules of, like, I'm going to make a taco, a bowl, a soup, and a pasta. And every time she does something different, it's just as amazing. So, mm, we need shout to out. Her... Yes. It's a great shout out. Way to kick us off strong. But we need to get her. You know how, I don't know if you ever used to watch, and again, I feel like I shouldn't be allowed to bring up a male chef, but... You know how Emeril Lagasse always did the, like, bam, whenever mm-hmm. he was, like, throwing salt or some sort of flavor? We need to get Amanda a catchphrase for when she, like, throws her delicious decadence in while she's cooking. I don't know what it's going to be. We can work. We can workshop yeah. some ideas for her. But, like, we need her to kind of maybe have, like, a bam. And then this is decadent amazingness. Yeah. That's too long, though. We need something shorter. We need to find something. I mean... One thing she mentions often is massaging the kale, so maybe there can be some kind of massage movement. (laughs) You have to massage the kale. Yes. We're not even having kale for dinner, and she does mention massaging kale. (laughs) 
she I sure do know does. we can't. I uh, I do know we cannot use the word moist though. In she would you know rebel against us if we suggested like mm, yeah, moist. It, it's a good thing she's not a baker. That's all I can say. <laughs> but oh, in honor of us sharing with our friends, which is a big step for us. And all of the times that I've mentioned getting some merch and this being about chef or women's week chefs, I decided to make us some prim and proper mugs for our tea. What? Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> it's our artwork. Well, not ours. It is. We didn't yeah. actually do the artwork, but we found it. Credit to. Yeah, these are exclusive to the to the hosts right now. I'm sorry to say they are not going on the shop, but yeah, it's kind of a cheers to us for Women's Month for you know being proud and and showcasing women and and showcasing ourselves. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna cry. Here's now. yours. Is that? Oh, yeah, really it's yellow cry. on the inside. I know. I just noticed that. I love yellow. It's so bright, <laughs> sunny. Yeah, we feel optimistic. Ah. Oh. Okay, well, now we have to pause so I can go cry for a couple of moments. <laughs> uh, you're allowed to do that. Oh, those are so... Marinella. Well, I don't really know how I'm going to top that um, or segue it into another woman chef. This is, <laughs> again, another unnatural segue ahead, folks. Um, <laughs> so, we'll get there. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, moving moving along, I have on the list someone who's very well known, but I feel like she deserves, you know, all the recognition for what she has done for the industry, and that's Julia Child. Ah, uh, yes. So, do you? I'll answer first, but let me know if you have like a memory of when you were first aware of Julia Child. But I'll tell you mine. So, when I was growing up, we did not have cable tv so i watched a ton of pbs and she had a show with jock Pepin. i think is his name i'm probably butchering a bit he's a french cook and the two of them i think it was called i had to look up the title of it it was cooking in concert and they did it this was like in the 90s and they would just cook in it looked like her home or his home and they had this really funny banter and she towered over him. He was kind of a short man, and she was a very tall woman. And I just remember watching it <laughs> during the week, on the weekends. It would be on PBS. I'd be watching it. They'd be, like, discussing how to break down a chicken. And I'm nine years old. Like, am I really going to butcher a chicken? No, I'm not. But <laughs> that's when I started watching Julia Child, and I have this memory of her. Uh, and that was before I knew her significance and, you know, how she introduced French cooking to the American audience and wrote one of the most successful cookbooks of all time and was one of the first women chefs that was ever on TV. I had no idea about any of that. She was just a fun woman who cooked with a short man in a kitchen and entertained me during <laughs> the week. <laughs> she got all the things on the top shelves for him. Thank goodness. Um, I didn't know anything about Julia Child as a child. I knew nothing. Like, I don't remember seeing her on TV. I don't know if it was just the fact that, like, that channel. Cable. I don't know. Maybe. I just don't. 
I don't remember watching a ton of TV as a kid, but I do remember when I started watching the show Top Chef, the amount of influence that the female chefs on there said that they got from Julia Child. And a lot of the dishes that they chose, um, you know, had like those French um, Parisian like elements and styles. And I feel like that was a lot from her. So that's when I started to kind of start looking up Julia Child recipes and like seeing like her story about being inspired to cook and, you know, going to Paris and her husband being so like supportive and, you know, Mm -hmm. wanting to make that cookbook for Americans in Paris because you couldn't get a cookbook that wasn't in French. You just couldn't do it there. Right. So there is a movie that I think is loosely tells her life pretty well. It's called Julie and Julia. Oh, yeah, there is a movie. And it stars Meryl. Yeah, Meryl Streep plays, Meryl Streep, of course, plays Julia Child. And then Amy Adams plays Julie, who is uh, like, I don't know, this was probably in the 90s that this, she was a blogger. She, She got Julia Child's cookbook and started cooking every recipe and started a blog. And it became a pretty successful blog, like way back in the early days of blogging in the internet. Uh, But anyways, it does this movie does, I think, a decent job of telling both Julie's story of starting the blog and what her life was like, but also giving you the backstory to Julia Child's life. I know there's also like a ton of documentaries and other info out there. But if you're looking for, you know, more like movie experience, that's a cute little movie to to watch. And I think Meryl Streep nails her accent. Yeah, I remember watching like clips of that trailer and thinking, is that Julia Child? Like, wait a minute. Really? Yeah, she does yeah. a really good job. She totally nails it. I mean, but it's Meryl Streep, right? What can she not do? What can't she do? Is that how you say that? <laughs> Gwen can't. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's too hard for me to figure that one out. I think whatever yeah. you said. Yes. But, Yeah, we're going to go with that. (laughs) Moving along. Yes. (laughs) One of my favorite chefs is actually known for her baking, and it's Christina Tosi. I think that's how you say it. Does she do the the milk? She does the the milk milk bar in New York City. And I just love, like, how she just took all the things that you want to eat, and they're simple things. And, you know, she's not trying to be fancy about it. And... Um, you know, the cereal milk that's left behind was like the inspiration for like her, I guess her most famous soft serve ice cream there. And she does like naked Mm. cake so you can see all the layers and, you know, everything is just, it kind of reminds you of being a kid, which is what I liked about it. And I've tried some of the stuff before you can only get it like in New York City, but now you can actually find it in some places where it's not you know made fresh to order that day but some of the stuff is like shipped in Mm. and it was delightful i mean i love the concept so my understanding is yeah i mean you kind of described it when you have cereal and the leftover milk takes on the flavors of the cereal like fruit loops or cinnamon toast crunch or whatever it is it it gets that really strong cereal aftertaste and so she would take that milk and use it in her baking and cooking you said she made ice cream with it right i think she made a whole bunch of stuff with the different like leftover milks from cereal 
Yeah, and there's like a pie that's just like pure sugar and like I don't even it's like butter and sugar, but I think she calls it like crack cake or something. <laughs> that seems um, appropriate. Crack pie, I don't know, but that's the part that I that's the piece that I tried and it was like oh god, so good. Mm-hmm. It would go great with tea. <laughs> she is also wasn't she I don't know if she still currently is. I'm not even sure if the show's on anymore. She was on the um uh uh, Gordon Ramsay Master Chef is that what's called? She was like a judge on it for a couple of seasons. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't watch too much Master Chef, but I think that she would that, be a good judge. <laughs> yeah, because I think it was Gordon Ramsay, her, and some like restaurateur guy. I don't know. I don't know his name. Um, and it's like home chefs that go on Master Chef and compete against each other, so they're not like. Um, classically trained chefs but I'm pretty sure she was on it for a few seasons because I think that's how I first learned of her yeah I don't know how I first learned of her I saw her on something but I can't remember what it was and I was like I've gotta I've gotta have this this product (laughs) I must keep it rolling with celebrity chefs on my end because Mm. and you mentioned Top Chef already so on my list is the first woman winner of Top Chef Stephanie Izard, and she won season Ooh. four, dark curly hair. She's a Chicagoan, and so she yeah. has a bunch of restaurants here in Chicago. Girl on the Goat, Little Goat, Duck Duck Goat, Sugar Goat. Well, you're noticing a theme, but I actually think she's got a new restaurant that opened up, and I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I think it's Cabra, C-A-B-R-A. It's a Peruvian place. I haven't been to it, but I've been to... Ooh all of her other restaurants and they are phenomenal so when little go open that was the first one she opened after winning top chef you could not get in like it was impossible to get a reservation people would go there at like because i think it opens at four or five people would get there earlier in the day and wait in a line just so that they could get like a spot on the at the bar like not even a reservation that they would just like mm-hmm. take a seat at the bar in order. It was so it's like the hottest ticket in town for a long time. Uh, but actually, speaking of our group of friends, Sarah and I went there when Sarah was up in Chicago for a conference and I had become vegan already at that point. And I got to give Stephanie a shout out for this, too. All of her restaurants, she has a separate vegan menu and it's not like oh, I'm just going to make a couple of vegan dishes to have them. No, they are phenomenal. They're just as good as what's on the main menu. And um, a lot of them are actually versions of what's on the main menu that she like veganizes. And she changes her menus seasonally. So they're always like new options. I mean, she is so thoughtful in so many ways. I really want to go now to Chicago for many reasons mostly to see you but then I want to have some of that food but yeah that is big for like a chef to focus on a vegan menu because I found that in most of the restaurants that I've worked in that had a set menu or even a rotating menu if you asked for something vegan the chef was like ready to flip out like it's a compromise of the dish so it's like why not plan ahead and create good vegan menus so that you don't have to compromise on the dish that you set that wasn't vegan totally absolutely and 
It's so funny because like not to go on a tangent, but I think sometimes, you know, the vegan community gets a bad rap. And there certainly are people in the vegan community who like (laughs) contribute to the reason it has a bad rap or they're like, you know, inflexible with their belief system. I'll say it that way. The reality is like most of my friends aren't vegan and I want to be able to share a meal with them and I want us both to have a delicious meal and Stephanie's restaurants deliver on that. Like her food is amazing. I mean, she's got the word goat in the name of like all of her restaurants, yet she, like I said, still makes a point to offer a variety of of vegan dishes that are phenomenal. Like I was so happy. Again, I know listeners can't ask Sarah. They don't know our friend, but Sarah (laughs) can attest to how satisfied I was while we were eating out there. I really want to go to we're we're going to be going to a um a girls night dinner. Uh-oh, can you still see me? Nope. <laughs> oh, my mother is calling me. Can, hey guys, uh... my mom's calling me. Stand by. It's it's not an emergency, I'm sure, so we just got to let it pass. Oh my gosh, I can still hear you though, so if you want to keep my, chatting away. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say my mom's a great chef, but we're not talking about her right now. Um <laughs> Sometimes she's a good chef. Damn, where were we before that popped up? On our girls' trip, we're going to go to... Oh, oh, not on our girls' trip, but um, here in in Tampa, we've decided that we're going to get together, me and the local Tampa girls that are around, yeah. are going to go to um, a dinner night maybe once a month or once every couple months. So we picked a place called Oak and Ola, and their chef is a female executive chef. Ooh. I don't know her name, but like I was researching and I was like, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there just to support a lady here. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. I love that idea, too, because about half of us. I, yeah, about half of us live in Tampa area ish. So that's oh, I love it. You'll, yeah, we've, you'll... we've talked about it for a while and it's like, let's just do it. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to need to get a group picture and send it to me. Thank you. <laughs> I will. I'll interrupt the server during her busiest time. <laughs> yes, please, please do. Servers love that. Yeah, also, and I'll let her know that she needs to take several. Yes. And then if you could Photoshop me in like you did for, you were the one that did it, right? For Sarah B. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I couldn't make the baby shower and you photoshopped in a drunk photo of me, which was just Jeff's kiss. I've also been known to make those cardboard cutout heads. <laughs> yes. I didn't do it the last I didn't do it the last time when we were um at that beach house, like when it was like peak COVID and we like psychotically still did the girls trip with just a few of us. I didn't have that I didn't have that many hands to hold up all those missing heads, so I couldn't do it. But um, anyway, back to the chefs, along the lines of you saying like you picked Stephanie because of her, um, you know, Chicago roots and her like honoring a vegan menu. There is a chef. Um, her name is Amanda Cohen, and she has a restaurant that only serves vegetables. Oh. Nothing else. And she said that she felt like it was ballsy for her to do that because her vegetables are that good. Damn. I forgot the name of the restaurant, unfortunately. Where but... do you know where she is? <sighs> I think she's in Can- I think she's in Canada. <gasps> I want to say she's in Canada. 
Okay, well, international travel is allowed again, yeah. so maybe I can make this happen. Yeah, I could be wrong. Maybe it was New York, but... Mm. Well, I'll it, look her it's... up because the, I, I'm, I'm, my interest has peaked, certainly. Yes, only vegetables. And to me, that takes, like, real guts and, like, being very confident because, I mean... Yeah, we have this, like, idea in the U.S., at least, that in order to have a full meal it needs to have like a meat protein on the plate and i don't know to me yes you know you need to be satiated and so it's not like you can just have lettuce like you have to have a lot more to it and i'm sure she has more filling vegetables that she offers in addition to like vegetables that would be lighter uh but I don't know. I just think it's interesting we as humans or at least we in the west have just always centered our meals around like a protein and there's protein in everything like even in vegetables there are amino acids in them so like you know this concept of having to have like meat as the centerpiece I love people who are like kind of flipping those concepts on their head and coming up with different creative ideas so that's interesting yeah, I mean, my major food group today was pure sugar. So, I mean, I had a I had a packet of tuna, I will say that, and then everything else was absolute sugar. I feel like shit. I'm having chamomile tea to settle my stomach down, but um, I do what I want. I do what I want. <laughs> Did you have sugar on the tuna fish, or were they, like, separate courses? Um, there was citric acid in it, which I'm sure has sugar. So I'm sure th- sugar was in there. It's gotta be. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Well, moving along to my next lady of the hour. Do you remember? So when I was in college and you were in college, I recall that the original Iron Chef, the Japanese version, started gaining popularity. There was like a dubbed English version. And I remember watching it in college because we were cool and there wasn't a whole lot of reality TV around the time. So we would watch dubbed Japanese cooking show of Iron Chef. And then they released the American version of Iron Chef, which I think is what most people think of now with like, you know, Bobby Flay. and But... Kat Cora was on that show and she was the first woman iron chef. And I remember I knew nothing about her. I knew nothing about the type of food she cooked, what restaurant she owned, none of it. I was just so in love with the Japanese version of Iron Chef and then so excited when the US version rolled out and it had a woman chef on it. So Kat Cora, thank you. I had no idea there was a Japanese or uh, Yeah. Chef, I'm, I'm blown away. No clue. <laughs> Chef Morimoto, who's on the American version, was also on the Japanese yeah. version. And that was kind of the transition. Like, because the Japanese version, the, the OG, they had like ceased creating new episodes. And then they created the American version. And yeah, Chef Morimoto used to be on the Japanese one and then also was on the American version. I think now people just call it Iron Chef. I don't think they call it Iron Chef America, right? Yeah, probably not. I don't yeah, think they just so. say Iron Chef. Yeah, yeah. What what what's her name again? Can you say it one more time? Yeah, Cat Cora. Cat Cora. I don't know who she is, so I guess 
She is. I'm gonna have to look her up. She's from Mississippi and she has a southern accent and she's just got like a sass. And whenever she was on, she just was like in control, doing her thing, like commanding her sous chefs, not in like a, you know, demanding way, but just like had command and poise and confidence. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it was just fun to see. Yeah. And, and not common to see a woman in command in a kitchen i'll say that i've only worked in one restaurant where a woman was a sous chef and um she she had a tough time like getting those guys to listen to her and every other place i worked that had any woman in the kitchen um yeah they were in like the prep section they weren't even like cooking on the line they were like Mm-hmm. kind of somewhere in the back there so yeah when i it's a big worked, deal i know i totally when i worked at the restaurant uh the good old matt grill we had all male chefs and i used to expedite some and then learn to cook some of the stations <laughs> if i had to step back there once or twice i think it was actually even scheduled one mother's day to work our pantry station because we were so short-staffed mm-hmm. on chefs uh, but I was the only woman ever in all the years I worked there that I ever saw behind the line. Yeah, it's scary to go back there. But I mean, I do think there are a lot more women in the kitchen than we realize. They just don't get like celebrated, totally. which kind of like leads me to the person that I um, recently kind of started discovering. And her name is Elizabeth Faulkner. I yeah, she's on a couple documentaries. Like the one that I watched that I saw her in was, um, uh, I think it was called The Heat Revolution. Hmm. Or it might have been, there's another one that's called Her Name is Chef. Hmm. There's Those two documentaries talk about like what women go through in restaurants in general, but primarily how they get to be in a chef position. But she is like very pro like mentoring and that kind of like stood out to me because i mean it is kind of hard to be a woman and and be encouraged to go into a kitchen when you see all just like a bunch of dudes kind of looking at you like a piece of meat which those those documentaries also expose a bit which is kind of like Mm -hmm. it's disheartening but you know she is very like pro make your kitchen um like focused around good people instead of people who are like your typical like angry chef that people think exists in the kitchen yeah no i love that philosophy and as you were talking i was pretty sure that she was in a the next iron chef competition and i had to look it up and for sure she was i know exactly who she is so the the again iron chef america there was like the four chefs and and they wanted to expand so they did a spin-off show called the next iron chef and had a bunch of chefs compete and she was one of them and i recall her doing very well and i recall really liking her she had like spiky blonde hair um kind of you yeah. know it was the style yeah. especially to have like the tip blonde hair back in the day uh, she did not, sadly, end up winning. I don't remember which season of it she was on, so I don't recall who she lost to. But, um, I re- yeah, she seemed really cool. I think, so. Yeah. I think she's in New York now. She was in San Francisco. And 
it's it's funny because she started off as like she wanted to make films and she realized like she was going into kitchens and restaurants a lot and recording people and she was just fascinated by like all the function of a restaurant and what was happening behind the line and the more she like made these films about it the more she realized she needed to actually be involved in cooking so she was like college graduate thought she knew what she was going to do and then was like well I guess I'm just going to work my way up and she just did that she worked her way up through kitchens it's so interesting to me that a fair amount of chefs have like art backgrounds some sort of you know artistic background whether it's like film or painting or something and like they see how like food can be artwork as well but also like not just the visual side of it but then like you're smelling it you know the textures you're tasting it and they like see the artistry and all of that anyways I just find it really interesting when chefs have that type of a background and it feels like a fair amount of them do or like the ones you find you know huge success yeah you you would have to be creative because I mean sometimes I get home and I think about what I want to cook and it's just like so basic. I'm like, I guess I'll just like make some chicken and a vegetable and I don't want to get more creative with it than that. But I, it's weird because I would consider myself creative, but for whatever reason in that regard, I'm just like, let somebody else do that. Mm-hmm. I don't have it. <laughs> My creativity does have a limit and it is perhaps when a spatula is involved. Yes, just give me a jar of Nutella and let me ruin my day, please. Well, maybe not someone that came from our artistic background is my next one, but it's someone who comes still to the world of cooking in a unique way in the sense that they were not classically trained. Because I feel like most chefs that make it to that like stage are, are classically tra- trained chefs. But Rachel Ray was just like a mom cooking 30 minute or less meals who got a show and like turned it into an empire that woman runs everything now i think uh rachel ray is a big part of my life and i'm i'm not saying this in a beat in a mean, mean way but it is my dog's dog food of choice she <laughs> doesn't she have a dog she food has line too yeah, and every time I go to uh, Publix, where shopping is a pleasure in the South, um, <laughs> uh, I I have trouble finding it in stock because I think the dog food is so good that the dogs are just eating through it. Oh I really, gosh. honestly, like I've gotten Marley other stuff and whatever is in her food, I think is maybe closer to a natural food than a lot of the other items that are like it's in plastic it's not in, like in a tin mm-hmm. um there's real vegetables in there and oh fascinating kind of makes me kind of makes me want to try it but anyway yeah i did a lot of rachel ray cooking when i looked up recipes back in the day and i only had a short amount of time i always was like oh i'll go to rachel ray <laughs> I'm just first off so happy that we made sure to nominate Marley, the dog's favorite woman chef. (laughs) I'm really glad that we did not skip over Rachel Ray for that reason alone. (laughs) Yes. Chicken mutt balls for her, please. But yeah, she makes totally accessible meals. I think sometimes 
again, I used to watch Julia Child when I was younger. And French cooking, I mean, it's wonderful, right? It's slabs of butter. It's delicious. But it also, even with people who like break it down and try to make it more accessible, it still feels very technical and like skill driven. And like you have to know, you know, like understand how temperature affects things or when to add in an acid or, you know, how to balance a flit, like all these really more like complex skills. Whereas to me, Rachel Ray, yeah, she kind of took that like, I'm a home chef and I've like excelled in that, but I also know like what most home chefs are dealing with. Like I know the tools they have in their kitchen or the skill level that they have. They still really want a tasty meal, but they're not trying to use 400 ingredients that were sourced from rare places and, you know, cook something with a lot of technical skill. Um, So yeah, like I appreciate that she was just kind of, you know, the everyday chef. Yeah. And, you know, that's what most of us are, just an everyday chef. Right. But we still want to have taste. Every food. other day for me. I don't Maybe once a week. Sometimes I cook. I don't know. <laughs> oh. I mean, that is one of the struggles, right, when you're cooking for yourself. I'm like, oh, good. I made this meal that serves four. So I guess that's lunch every single day this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By <laughs> Friday, you're just like, I cannot wait to go out to eat this weekend. <laughs> oh, who do you have next? Who's your next lady? Um, similar to a Rachel Ray, but probably involves maybe a little bit more like uh, steps, prep work, and whatever technicality. Martha Stewart, my girl. Oh, what can I say? I had Martha Stewart as well. And I was like, I'm not sure if she 100% counts as a chef. She's definitely chef adjacent. And she does... I mean, she just, I guess she's more than a chef. Maybe that's how I should phrase it. She's, she is everything. She's home decor. She's chef. She's yeah. how to host a party. She is Martha Stewart living. <laughs> I would say the cooking is the only thing I've ever paid attention to. Like, I don't really, I don't really care about what Martha Stewart would do with my living room, but I do want to make her Christmas cookies. Like anything I've made from her usually turns out well. But it does take a little bit more time, but she breaks it down step by step and her her soothing voice and, you know, her relationship with Snoop Dogg and all just, <laughs> it just, it's all adding up. Totally. You know, I saw someone post like back when her and Snoop first started, like I think he's appeared on her show a couple times. Now I know they do a whole bunch of stuff together, but like in the early days of their budding friendship, I saw someone post a picture of um, Martha and Snoop Dogg, and it just had the caption, one of these people has been in prison, and it's not the one you think. And I died. Died. Um, But I actually kind of like that about Martha, that, I mean, not that I love a woman who's gone to prison, but I like the concept that, oh, how do I want to phrase this? So I feel like, when women get recognition in a field that's dominated by men, it's almost like they have to be perfect because they're the first woman and they have to be good enough to like allow other women to get into that space. And, you know, whereas like men are allowed to like screw up or, you know, make mistakes or be good at certain things, but really bad at other things because like, we're just so used to seeing men in influential positions that we're used to like men 
can have flaws and still be president or they can still be top chef somewhere or whatever. But it's like women who finally make it to that level have to be like perfect and they're not allowed to be like messy or, you know, have flaws. And so I kind of like that Martha has this empire and she's someone who went to prison for white collar crime, insider trading. And you know what? That's like the, that's real life. Men and women both are, you know, we have our flaws. Some flaws are maybe a little more, crimey than other flaws but (laughs) (laughs) hey when somebody explained to me what what uh insider trading was i was like that's illegal i mean why (laughs) i don't understand like i i would totally be yeah that sounds like just a smart move to me (laughs) so i mean she might have saved my ass because maybe one day i would have been like oh i thought i was doing the smart thing making this money (laughs) You know, yes. what, what what doesn't it pay to know somebody? Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, Marinella. <laughs> Insider training is illegal unless apparently you're in Congress because then there's no rules against Yeah, that's it. okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. They, totally fine. Above, yeah. D- don't worry. Um, she should have just run for Congress. She would have been fine. She she would have been in, probably. She, yeah, she would have. And something tells me that, like, the halls of Congress would have had a lovely redecoration. <laughs> Appetizers would be served during all the votes. Uh, homemade pays. potpourri. Yes. <laughs> oh, Martha. Oh, Marty. But, yeah, I love... I love a messy woman, and I think we need to embrace more women's, you know, messiness, our flaws. Like, we're humans, too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Well, I think I have one more chef on my list, and it would be, I think, the biggest vegan trendsetter chef. So I feel like I need to give a shout out to her. Her name is Isa Chandra Moskowitz. I really hope I did not butcher her name. I She's got like 10 cookbooks. She started out in her Brooklyn apartment. She somehow, I don't know how, got like a show on like local PBS or local, um, you know, public news station up in New York. And she would just cook in her kitchen um, and do vegan food she had like a very punk aesthetic she would often listen to punk music and sing along on her show as she was cooking food and she's as i said made about 10 very influential vegan cookbooks she finally opened up a restaurant about i don't know maybe eight ten years ago called modern love uh and i actually finally got to eat at it Last October, when I was in New York City, my friend, I was visiting my friend Jared, and he made all the reservations at places, and he made a reservation there, and I wanted to cry. I was so freaking excited, and the food was phenomenal. She does one of those, I don't know if you've ever heard of or seen, but there are um, people who take, like, mushrooms, and not, not like your basic, like, white mushrooms but the more like the hen of the woods or whatever it's called like those more Mm -hmm. you know 
they, they're like funkier looking they're funkier. like more like meaty or something yeah yeah those ones and she seasons it and deep fries it and makes like a chicken sandwich out of it holy shit holy shit it is was it like breaded and fried breaded and like, fried oh. and i don't know what type of magic it's like black magic i don't know what happens it is so good so good and she's got oh these mozzarella balls or they were a ball shape yeah so good again i would have sworn it was real cheese i don't know yeah she maybe sold her soul to the devil to get this power <laughs> i'm all for it i'm here i'm showing up so thank you isa hey when you're when you're focused on that type of food, then you probably like she probably spent hours trying to like perfect it, making sure that it tasted as close to like mozzarella. Which actually, mozzarella cheese probably isn't as good as whatever that is because it just depends on who you are. I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably gonna have a different flavor and it might be better. Mm. Who knows? That's only in New York. Is she <laughs> other places too? Okay. There's a second location in Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's worth I checking out. Think... Next girl's trip. <laughs> yeah, I should suggest. Do you guys want to go to Omaha? No reason. I'm just saying Omaha. Just throwing it out there. I actually think yeah. she opened the Omaha, Nebraska one first. I don't know. the. I should look into that. Like, what about Omaha, Nebraska was a good spot? Like, New York, I kind of get because, like, people are into all sorts of different cuisines and it's very right like there's a lot of variety there and not to not to crap on any listeners who are from omaha nebraska but i just you know don't see it being as like diverse in the cuisine offering so i think that i guess was a little shocking to me yeah maybe it was like a a trial run like let's try it here or farming i don't know maybe there's it feels like there'd be a farm there that'd be optimal yeah, probably a lot of farms in Nebraska, Growing. right? What else do they? <laughs> Maybe they have tremendous amount of mushrooms in the forest there. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, on that note, I have one last chef as well, and she is a top chef uh, contestant that I don't know if she ever won, but her name was Fatima Ali. Oh, I don't um, know. She was Pakistani, mm. and... Um, she kind of did a lot of like fusion, which I feel like, especially with like Pakistani cooking or like any like Middle Eastern cooking, Asian cooking, when you have like all those generations of that being passed down to you and you're able to share that and like bring it to the States, I feel like that's a big deal. And a lot of those cultures, men don't, they don't get shown how to do that so like all those women are actually carrying the torch for all their cooking for all these years and they're probably the only reason why we get to know what that food tastes like oh yeah that's yeah and yeah it's a really um good point. sadly she uh was part of that documentary her name is chef and she got bone cancer like at the height of her career um and she passed away but she like was very optimistic her whole life about like you know achieving so much and like you know the time that she was there she used it wisely and like mentored and you know worked with other women and i feel like that's i think the the advantage of having more women in the kitchen is that they're more like 
in tune with the people around them. They're not screaming at their Mm -hmm. other chefs. They're all, they're probably trying to like Mm -hmm. just enjoy their job and, and like, yeah, creating better. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Creating a culture of like more inclusivity. Um, but it sounds like she in respect, um, but it sounds like she really left her mark on this world. Yeah. And that's why I felt like it's worth mentioning that, that person for sure especially because so i i know pakistani food is different than indian food but i was first introduced to indian food quite some years ago and is one of my absolute favorite types of cuisine i've had nepali food a bunch i've had pakistani as well and they all do such a great job of incorporating like spices and flavors they develop these like really complex flavors um i also feel like it's I don't know how to say I don't mean this in a disrespectful way but I feel like a lot of Indian food Pakistani food Nepali that that sort of food is kind of like street food it's like food of the commoners and I also love a chef who can take that food and those great amazing flavors and elevate it and show it in a new light and it kind of sounds like I mean she's competing on top chef I'm sure that's a bit of what she was doing was taking these like amazing dishes and like giving them a level of elevation, which I think is also just really cool. Yeah. And, you know, um, that's how you, I guess, create new genres of food. I mean, mm-hmm. American Pakistani. I mean, mm. I'd like to try that. Yeah. <laughs> Tuna fish sugar. Another genre oh. of food. Uh, <laughs> I will not bring that to the table. <laughs> Not to, not to anybody I like. You're not going to go a Top Chef and serve that up to Padma? I, I would love to serve my myself up to Padma <laughs> physically, but her my food? No, I, I, I would never do that to that woman. <laughs> you just like put little tuna rolls all over yourself and lay on a table for Padma to show up. <laughs> Oh, God. She actually had a really close relationship with that chef, Fatima. So, yeah, maybe maybe it's just my type. That's it. <laughs> well, I think we highlighted some amazing chefs. Um, and now I'm very hungry and I'm sad because I have to just cook for myself tonight. And it's it's not going to be nearly as good as any of what these women could have cooked for me, including Manders. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm probably gonna reheat my Sunday night meal prep and just go for it. Mm, yeah, I think I'm in, in the old chef Mike. <laughs> chef microwave, I presume. That's the guy. Give it to <laughs> Chef Mike. I think I'm gonna do some good old pasta with spinach and pesto. Maybe put some peas in it too. Make a little oh wow green fancy pasta dish tonight. Mm. Tip to Amanda. Yes. All right. Well, until next time. No. See you next time. <laughs>